Welcome to part two of a five-part series on fibromyalgia. We were introduced to these doctors. They deal with putting the huge, um, uh, sorry guys, um, come on Shelly, athletes back on the ice after concussions. Okay, they're known for it. They are one of only three clinics across Canada that deal in this sort of specialization. It's becoming more and more common now. More and more doctors get, getting educated in this area. But boy, there, there wasn't a lot of them at the time and there still isn't a lot now. Okay, so I am now in the most amazing care that I could be in. I was also at the time seeing a homeopath. So this is five or six years ago because I was struggling at my work. I knew that I was under a lot of anxiety and I was struggling with that and the homeopathic um, avenue really definitely helped a lot. I, I remember that helping a lot with my depression and with the stress I was experiencing at work, that sort of thing. So it was my homeopath actually that originally diagnosed me, but I'm getting ahead of myself by a year. Three months to get better. Now, I decided after this long run with this telco company that I just didn't want to do accounting anymore. Now, little segue, it's kind of interesting. I discovered the sacred gifts later and discovered why I didn't mind bookkeeping when I was younger because my gifts were engaged. My gift of service and knowledge were engaged. Even facilitation was engaged. I didn't realize it because none of my clients dealt with the government. They just thought that was like, <gasps> those people are evil. I had no problem dealing with the CRA ever and I still don't. They're just people doing their job. You just need to learn to talk their language and give them what they need. It's, just, it's really not rocket science, but it's just freaks so many people out. And in Canada, we, we're a pretty amazing co country if you're one of my foreign, li foreign listeners. But still, government still has this stigma, like, like it's an entity beyond us. It really is quite fascinating. Now, I can understand that if you live in a country that has a dictatorship or a socialistic country where you don't have rights and everything that you see and hear is controlled, I can truly understand the fear and such that you have. But we, we live in a democratic country and... We have a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom, and we still have this stigma around government like it's like it's a thing and it's not. It's just it's an organization put into place by the people of the country and people that work live in the country work in the organization. So anyways, those gifts were engaged. But when I became more mature and went into management, making really good money, those gifts weren't engaged like before and I lost my purpose. But I didn't realize it at the time. It took me years later until I'd taken these courses and done a lot of, kind of got back into growth on myself. I'll talk about that as well. I went for a long period of time, almost a decade, where I did no self-development, which is bad for me because I did a lot of that when I was younger. But when I worked at the telco company, I wasn't an employee. I was a contractor. So I never got to do any of the in-house training that staff did. I was always on the outside because I was a contractor. Well, when I decided that I didn't want to do accounting anymore, I got involved with a company called Make Your Mark and started doing self-help kind of stuff again and working on myself. Jim Rohn always says, you know, work at your, if you work harder on yourself than you do at your job, you won't make a living, you'll make a million. And it's very true. And maybe you won't make a million dollars, but you know what? Opportunities will arise. I can guarantee you they will. They have in my life many, many times. Because you're aware, you're working on yourself, you bring more to the table all the time and it's an ongoing thing throughout your whole life. So learning is a big deal for me. So I decided to take this 
network marketing company I was working with called Visalis, which was all about nutrition. So of course it was right up my alley. I just love everything about nutrition. I had more customers than my ambassador upline because those people were all busy recruiting business partners, people to buy into the business and do the business. I was all about getting my friends and family on a healthier eating plan and saying, hey, this is kind of an easy way of having the shake in the morning and these are great supplements and, you know, let's help you with your exhaustion. Didn't matter. It was, it was just, it's a love for me. You can hear it in my voice, I'm sure. And a few years later, I actually got a new uh, certificate nutrition and weight loss because I spent all my time not coaching my clients, but my team's clients, customers as well. So it obviously became a bit of a calling. But Vaisalis uh, was something I thought, you know what, other people are making good money at this and I really enjoyed working with the people. So I went to England to work with my husband's cousins who wanted to join the business. We were expanding, the company was expanding into the UK and I went and lived there for six weeks. Now, I'm just going to say at the same time, my marriage was in a really tough place and I was considered leaving it. Now, I am going to share something that is a little, is very personal. My husband is wonderful. He is, I would never accomplish anything I would have done in my life since meeting him without him because he is a support network like nobody's business, but he also abuses alcohol and that has been a constant thing in our life is his alcohol abuse. He's not an alcoholic. He can function without it quite well, but when he uses, when he starts, he abuses it and he self-medicates. So this has been a really tough thing in our marriage and our life for 18 years. And at that point in my life, I was considering, I had pretty much just, I had had enough. So I went off to England to reassess my life, my business and my marriage. Well, that didn't go quite according to plan, although I met some amazing people. It was a great learning experience and I'd always wanted to see England. I'd never been. I came home from that and got my marriage back on track. We worked on that for a number of months. And I can't, I, I'm, I can't even remember if I even had any bookkeeping clients, what we were doing. We had a bit of savings, so we were, we were doing okay. I'd put some money aside from the last year that I was with the telco company so that we could, we could make it through this year. Because like I mentioned before, I had built, designed and built a custom-built home down the street. And that was an expensive house to run. And my income paid for all that. So when you're pulling in nearly $100,000 a year, and I mention that because I want to tell you how that all went away when I got sick. It ended immediately. And that's where our lives changed drastically. When we realized we could not hang on any longer and everything about our life had to change. We traveled. Um, we were in Vegas four times a year. We took a major trip every year. Money just wasn't an issue. We saved. We had RSPs. We were paying down our mortgage. We helped our, our son. Uh, we have a granddaughter, you know, we were still in the old house and we had our granddaughter, um, or when our granddaughter was born, it was, a, it was a very different, very different life than it is right now. Let me tell you, I'm not sure actually, which is more enjoyable. I think sometimes I enjoy my life more now, but it came with its own stressors. I'm not going to lie. Anyways, I got through to the fall and I got sick in the January of the year later. So one year after I've left this big company is when the fibro manifested seriously, quickly, rampantly was diagnosed and got on top of very quickly. But I'd had kind of a rough year anyways, dealing with the fallout of stress. I'd been struggling with my sleep for a number of years. They put me in a sleep clinic to see what was going on. I have legs that pull, not quite like restless leg syndrome, but they've done it since I was a teenager. They ache something terrible and I just, I can pound on them, just pound on my thighs. So I've had to learn to, you know, take magnesium supplements, soak them in hot water at night before bed. I roll them with a roller when the muscles get tight. A whole bunch of these little tricks I've used for life. They're all things I have to do now because with fibromyalgia, 
things that were wrong with you before <laughs> tend to be where your hot spots develop later. So I had bursitis in my hip for about a decade ago and cleared that up. Squash, I was aggravating it with lunging. And I gardened on a ravine. I tore my meniscus in my 20, late 20s trying to jog for the first time with a boyfriend that ran marathons <laughs> downhill. Uh, and, and so I kept that, the lateral muscles through weight training very strong. I've always been very strong, quite fit, more strong. I liked being strong. That was, you know, excuse me, I, I, I can't stand aerobics and all that kind of crap, but I've always done, you know, yoga and weight trained and the squash was my aerobics and my gardening, but I didn't go out of my way. I mean, I rollerbladed. If I was doing something, I didn't mind being aerobic, but I certainly didn't go to aerobics class. Ugh, how boring is that? At least for me. Okay. So these things, I, I, I managed them. Well, when fibro settles into those areas, those, those all became my hotspots. Where was I going with that? So apparently when I went to the doctor in the January, and I'll tell you what happened, he looked back on his records and said, you know, you came to me in December of this, that year. And he said, you weren't doing so well. I was like, oh, you know, I'd kind of forgotten that. So I guess I was a little depressed. Now I've suffered with depression since my youth. It started with kind of seasonal disorder in January doctor put me on a low dose of Wellbutrin. I didn't always have to be on it. I'd gone on and off it many, many times throughout my life. By the time I met my husband, things with my family, ugh, you know, just, ugh, they were just yuck. And my doctor says, you're really going to plan a wedding and go off your Wellbutrin with your family? And I'm like, good point. So I stayed on it. And I stayed on it for a number of years because then it was the marriage. Then it was building the house. Then it was... Uh, investments and then it was this new contract you know what my life just started on a snowball for for a good 11 years 12 years really almost 15 from the time we were married it just kind of went but this was kind of a 10-year period of we did amazing things in those years God gave us amazing opportunities and we built this beautiful home did some investments had this gorgeous vacation home that was an investment but we enjoyed it shared it with all of our friends we just had some really neat stuff happening okay January of a year later hits and I can't get out of bed in the morning. My feet hit the ground and the pain is debilitating. And anyone with fibro and my, my listener that asked me to do this podcast, her feet are the same deal. I've never had sore feet. I was like, what the freak is going on? It, it literally progressed week over week till four weeks later at the end of January, beginning of February, I'm in doctor's offices going, what is going on? Well, by March, I was fully diagnosed in the medical system. But in February, I was in to see my homeopath and he'd been treating me for a year or two. Kind of on and off. If I was having some issues, I'd go see him and get myself checked out and he'd get me righted up again. And he says, Shell, I think you've got fibromyalgia. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. No. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. He goes, hon, I think you do. Uh, you're exhibiting all the symptoms. And he said, I've been treating you for two years and I'm kind of been watching this decline go on a little bit here. And... I think you need to get this checked out. Well, my husband's traveling, like he always does when there's a crisis. I swear, we have this joke that there's always a crisis when my husband walks out the door on a, on a business trip for a week. So this kind of happens. I come home and start doing some research and I'm losing my mind because actually I'd started doing the research beforehand and there was only two things that manifested my exact symptoms and that was lupus and fibromyalgia. <clears throat> Even MS didn't exhibit some of my other symptoms. <clears throat> only those two diseases did and it was like oh crap gift of knowledge man guys it's a little scary sometimes you, you google sometimes a little too much but I also take everything with a grain of salt 
I go out looking for knowledge, not looking for bad news. So I hope you heard me when I said that. I go out looking for knowledge, not bad news. Because if you're on the internet, like my ex-daughter-in-law used to be, who is just a neurotic little freak about everything that could go wrong with her and a baby, you are going to live a crazy neurotic life, okay? You need to go out into the world looking for knowledge and making decisions on your own, okay? Because you will find everything on the internet. All the bad, all the good. You will find it all. You've got to go into your heart and say, what is real for me? And find solutions despite of the haters, the naysayers, the what the freak ever you read out there. You've got to make decisions for yourself. So I came home and I am losing my mind. My husband calls. I am bawling my eyes. And he goes, honey, this isn't for sure. Well, do you know what? Within two weeks, it was. I went into my GP, my medical doctor, told him what I thought was going on. He says, we need to deal with this. To make a long story short, I had already been working... I think at that point for a year, because I was networking a lot back then. Yeah, when I, by the time I left the telco company, I was back out networking and things, because I'm looking for clients and I'm looking for work and deciding what I want to do with my life. And I'm running this network marketing company. I mean, it was making me an income every month. Small, but it was still there. I was covering some of the bills, keeping my car on the road, that sort of thing. And I did a lot of networking and I ran into a lady that ran a clinic and I started getting massages from her, facial, facial, fascia, sorry, massages. Now, this is something else I want to point out, and this is why this podcast is going to go on and have to be broken into three segments. I think I'm just going to run through the whole podcast here for an hour and a half and then break it into three 30-minute segments and post them, guys. So there might be an abrupt break in these three podcasts. I apologize, but I think it's just easier if I just stay on track with the story. Fascia is the saran wrap that surrounds your muscles. And when you've had an injury or you lock up or whatever, it isn't always the muscle that's the problem. It's the fascia. It solidifies like cement and you can't stretch anything and you can't stretch the muscles. Well, a new uh, sort of, when I say new, I don't mean woo-woo made up. I mean our medical system is moving forward in discovery. And we have realized through the practice of what they call tensegrity, that is the term that is now used, about how the fascia and the interconnective uh, tissues and ligaments in our body are probably more important than the muscles themselves. And that has never been our belief system. We've always kind of believed that it was the muscles. That was it. They're attached. They here, here. You, you work them. You break the fibrous tissues down. You build a muscle. We're now realizing that a lot of our core strength, our flexibility, a lot of what keeps us strong and what can overcome from injury is dealing with the connective issues in our body and that they are they're vibrant they are alive and they are really more important than than the muscle itself so i had been i had gone to this lady a couple times i'm almost positive of it because um the reason i say that my memory's a little short on that one is because when i went to her to say they think i've got fibromyalgia she said no you don't it's overdiagnosed oh okay Now, what I didn't know, I don't think I'd been seeing her for long because otherwise she would have done the pressure point test on me and realized that I did have it and she's the one that did do it for me in the end and I took that to my doctors. She was a 26-year trauma nurse and she developed fibromyalgia and when I originally was seeing her, I didn't realize she had it. So this, it was amazing how after these months of seeing her and bringing this story to her, she became a huge part of my health and recovery again, part of my team and her experience and such has been just a godsend because she spent 26 years as a trauma nurse, head of a trauma department, and had to leave it. So one, not only was she diagnosed before fibro was even something people even understood or knew about or a term that people even you know recognized, 
She's early on in the diagnosis, you know, years ago. But she literally was dropping trays of instruments as ambulances were rolling into her hospital because the fibro fog and the inability to make decisions debilitated her to such a degree she had to quit her job. I can relate to that. I'll explain to you what happened with me. I could not work. So she truly understood what I was coming from, but also now she runs her own company. She's a holistic healer, massage therapist, Reiki master, and... uh, She's trained in Europe as an aromatherapist. And I don't mean just things that smell pretty. I mean true essential oils, healing properties, that sort of thing. She delves in a lot of modalities. And... <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, and it's, it's just quite knowledgeable. So I really appreciate her because she's got a strong, strong medical background, even though she now, what some people would say, deals in the woo-woo field. Well, that's all great, but that woo-woo field comes from, you know, 35 years of trained medical knowledge as well. So, now something I think I just need to throw out there just to throw you off track. She's also a shaman. So she has native background in her, and she is the healer for her tribe. So I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we have a lot of indigenous people here. Our country, of course, was indigenous. The natives were here long before the white man was. And... Actually, I have native in me many generations back. You'd never know it to see me with my red hair and freckles. But on my grandfather's side, uh, you can see it in my grandfather, actually, before he passed away. He was a very tall, swarthy man, high cheekbones. My mom and her sister had the coloring. All of us grandchildren have the British red hair and freckles that my grandmother had. So it's just kind of funny. But we have that in our genealogy. It is what also gives me my blood type AB, which is very rare. Okay. And by the way, if you don't know your blood type, flip and find out because it, I consider it part of the whole picture and who we are as people, how we should eat, better health, addictive issues. There, are, there is so much going on with your body that you need to be as aware as possible. All of these things play into how I deal with life. By the way, I'm a celiac. Okay, and I have an incredible sensitivity to caffeine. That is very important down the road when I start talking about therapies and stuff, about things I can and cannot do. I've talked to you about my adrenal fatigue. So again, energy drinks are not the answer to for my fibro fog that and people are relying on this crap and you need to stop it. There are better choices. I mean, you might need them on occasion to function because you, you're going to choose to have a better life, but you've got to find the smartest and healthiest options. By the way, being healthy is expensive. Okay. My fibro could easily cost me $500 a month and it does cost me 300 minimum even when I'm on a budget that is not covered by the medical system. Through the, the things I take for supplementation, medical things I do, that is what it costs, okay? And it can, it can really, really add up. Okay. So it's just so you're aware of that, you know, none of this is coming for free, guys. There's, I made choices about how I was going to live and how I was going to function and those priorities are, are the focus and everything else kind of falls to the wayside for that. All right. I get diagnosed. My girlfriend does the pressure point test to me once the doctors have come back and said, and I'm like, no, April, everyone's on agreement here except you. So she says, okay, lays me out on the table, does the test and goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry you do. Because the pressure point test that they do, I lit up like a, like a Roman candle. She goes, I didn't even realize. She says, I'm so sorry. She's also the one that introduced me to the ionic foot bath. She used to do them for me 
because I booked every four weeks, I got a little discount because I was a regular client on the fee, which really helped me at the time because I was, my body was just kind of not in a great place. And then she'd go see, go, get another client in and leave me out having an ionic foot bath in the waiting room. And then she'd just come out, get me settled and off I would go. And she kind of threw that in. Didn't even realize it actually at the time, bless her heart. And that detoxification is a wonderful and it really kind of opened my mind to a, that sort of modality. And I'll tell you about how that came to be a little later because now I'm a dealer for a company and I sell them and I run a clinic for them. And I do a, a foot bath about three times a week. It is a huge part of my fibro uh, maintenance and health, okay? So this gets started, I go into the doctor, they put me on Cymbalta right out of the gate. Now, if memory serves me, I was not an antidepressant at this time. No, I couldn't have been, because I'm gonna tell you how they put me on them eight months later. Cymbalta was like a godsend. Now in the year, by the way, that I left the telco company and all this is going on, I gained 20 pounds, which was kind of tough because I just really just wasn't as active as I was. I was exhausted, I was in pain. I just was feeling crappy, okay, all th for most of that year. Anyways, they put me on Cymbalta, and honestly, I just could have kissed the ground my doctor walked on. My pain was through the roof. My feet couldn't touch the floor. You couldn't touch my hands. You bumped into my shoulder and I cringed. I mean, it was awful. In fact, here's a little segue, just because I'm afraid of what I'm gonna miss. When I mentioned about how old injuries become our go-to places, or flare points for a lot of fibro patients. That's my right hip, right knee. It was on the same side. And because of that pain and not realizing what was going on, the pain was getting worse and I thought it was all fibro pain for about a year, not realizing that it, it wasn't. What I was doing was my in, immobil, immobility was calcifying my T-band. And you don't think that was hell on wheels to come back from? Because when you have a nerve ending disease like fibro is, where your nerve endings are on fire, and you need to break down soft tissue or calcification, you don't get to do that like the old days. You have to do that very gently. It hurts 10 times as much. So for me, you hit me. Some people consider that a slap. It's like you hit me with a hammer, okay? My pain levels are just amplified. Fibro pa patients' pain levels are just so amplified. So now I, and I couldn't do acupuncture. I just came right off the table. My natural path was trying to do some acupuncture. He did a, I had an x-ray down. They found the calcification. Then I went to see him and he put the monitor. Um, what's the thing that you do babies with? It'll come to me in a second. That little doodad that rolls over you with the gel and they can see inside. And he could see the whole mass. He goes, oh my gosh, Shelly. All because I thought I was protecting an injured hip and knee and thinking, you know, oh, I've got to keep this kind of immobile and I wasn't very active. Yeah, screw that. That's why I do yoga three times a week and we'll talk about that as well. You've got to keep stretched. You've got to keep your facial loose. You have got to keep your core strength up. I don't care that you can no longer get on a squash court or run a marathon. Your physical fitness, you have got to keep moving no matter what. Yes, there's days you have to rest, but you need to understand that that is a number one priority in your life now. Also trying to keep the weight off was important for me because this hip was like on fire for me. So the Cymbalta, it was just like, oh my gosh, the pain was just, it was just like someone like turned it off. However, I was nauseous all the time. I lost 10 pounds right away and immediately gave up drinking. And you say, okay. Drinking and fibro don't go together, guys, by the way. Neither does any inflammatory autoimmune disease. It's quite stunning to me how many people still abuse or use alcohol on a regular basis. That needs to go. Now, you get yourself in line. It's something you can enjoy occasionally. But if you want to live a high-functioning life with fibromyalgia, it cannot be something that you indulge in daily. Sugars, white products, 
bad fats, junk food. You need to eat nutrient dense. You need to take great supplementation. And you will find that when you get on those things, your life will turn around. And when you skip them again, if you're wondering, hey, is this really working? Is this, your life will spiral that drain so fast, it'll make your head spin. So these are the things I had to put in place. Now, luckily I knew about nutrition, but my morning shake, I still use the Visalis shake. They took away my business years ago when I was, when living well became a thing where my Facebook page became sort of a business for me and uh, not a business that makes money, but it's a, it's a business entity. It's an extension of my stuff that I do make money on. I love getting information out to the world and sharing information with people. I tried a product or someone shared something with me and I shared it on the Facebook page. It's from another MLM company. Their legal department noticed it. I wasn't even a member of that company yet. I joined it later uh, because I wanted to use some of the products once they discovered I was sick. And they took away my distributorship right away. And I was a, was I a regional director at that point? Yeah, I was a regional director. I never made national director. Regional director, which meant I you know, had a couple thousand dollars coming in every month and my and a car allowance for my BMW. It was a BMW program they had back then. And after the Saab accident and all that mess, we, we bought, a BMW, bought me a little BMW sports car. It was great fun. And my business paid for it. <clears throat> they took it all away with, and no questions asked. So not a big fan of the company, not a big fan of how their recruiting worked, but they did make some amazing products. Are they the absolute healthiest out there? No, some of them had sucralose in them. They were compromises. But since 80% of the people eat like crap anyways, uh, it was a huge step up. It was convenient, affordable, and the nutrition was off the charts. Plus, as a celiac, I could, I could eat it. I've used shakes in the past. I love smoothies. This was just the easiest way for me never have to worry about one meal a day that I didn't have to worry about replacing bread products. Please, by the way, do not eat half this gluten-free crap that's out there. It's just trash. Leave it alone. Um, if you have questions, go to my Facebook page. That's where I talk about this kind of stuff. So anyways, they, uh, the alcohol became a bit of an issue. Why? I had a custom built wine cellar in my house. Okay. This was a custom built home guys. And I designed it on this bizarre lot that no one could build on it, but sat here vacant in this neighborhood for 12 years. So we built this custom built home in a neighborhood where people had been here for 30 plus years. A home hadn't even sold for over almost a decade here by the time we built the house and I had to build into the neighborhood and I was happy to do it. I just, I wanted to fit in. Our house was, it was a big house, you know, 3,500 square feet. I mean, it's not huge, not like the monster crap they're, they're allowing to be built all over my neighborhood now. 5,000 square foot and no parking drives me crazy what's happening in my city, but it was still a pretty big house for two people and but it was open floor plan it was only a three bedroom two and a half bath house it was all about entertaining my home main floor was an open floor plan of big walk around kitchen island open floor plan dining room living room for dancing wood floors i just loved it big huge double two and a half car garage so my husband we had storage big driveway but not a big yard it was on this bizarre little piece of property with this huge ravine at the back well over the years i gardened down that ravine and just created a showpiece reason I mentioned that is when I got sick, I couldn't be on that slope like that. I almost fell and my husband was like, that's it. You're out of the ravine. But that was how I stayed fit for years. And I just, gardening became a love. I never did it when I was younger. My mom and my sister are huge gardeners, but I was the only one that worked in the family. My sister hasn't worked past the age of 22 years of age. She's been a stay at home mom and then they inherited the business. My mom never worked past 24. These are housewives. And, uh, I have never been that I got, I had to go to work. And I was a single mom, so I definitely had to go to work. So gardening wasn't something I'd ever picked up and I never really had time for. I mean, I appreciated what they did with their yards, but this certainly wasn't my life. I lived in a townhouse, by the way, before I 
before I um, uh, we bought the property and built the house. So gardening became a love, just a love of mine. And where was I going with this? Oh, the wine. Well, we have this great neighborhood. I uh, have a custom-built wine cellar. I have a three-year wine education trust education. It is something as a, as a fun thing for me. I took courses on it, got educated in it. I wanted to find out why New World wines... I wanted to find out if a wine was good, whether I liked it or not. <laughs> uh, because I'm a New World wine drinker, not an Old World wine drinker. Uh, now I can appreciate both. So these were the things that I loved. You know, this and wine and squash and traveling. These were the things we loved. And I made the money to indulge myself in all of those things. But the problem with the wine and a husband that, you know, abuses alcohol is that one bottle opened to have a glass with dinner means finishing the bottle, going out on the deck and opening a second bottle and sometimes a third. So that's just how the weight got gained when I wasn't playing squash. And very hard on my liver. Now, my immune system, it was interesting. When I was in my 20s, my doctor once told me, this is Dr. Yeomans, that I should live like an alcoholic. So something showed up in testing or something about my body that my liver really was struggling. I just didn't have a liver that could be like my husband's. Like he gets tested all the time. How that man eats, I'm a health nut and he is exactly the opposite. He is just a health sloth, as I like to call it. And as much as I try, you know, you just can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I love him, but I can't. You can't make another person be what you hope and want them to be. So I just kind of had to let that go. When I did Vi, though, he got right on board with me. Lost 35 pounds. He looked amazing. He ate well. It was great. Anyways, that's all gone down to the sideways now, but it was, it was a lovely three or four years of just having this really sexy fit husband, gotta say. But those were my choices. However, the influence of that kind of person in my life was meaning that alcohol was playing way too big of a role. So... We could afford it. That wasn't where now we can't, but we could afford it then. But my health was paying for it. I suffer from terrible hormonal acne. My skin has been a, a challenge my whole life. And it's my face. My chest doesn't break out. My back, it's my face. Really got bad postmenopause. And we really discovered how hormonally it was activated. I cannot have coffee, caffeine. I always just tell people I'm allergic to caffeine. Truly what happened at, at the age of 16, we realized again with the adrenal. So obviously I, my body has a serious sensitivity to stimulus and I you know, have to be careful with that, but I only was really careful with what I put in my mouth, not with what I did with my life. So I was abusing my life over stimuli, uh, with, with too much stimuli in my physical world, emotional world, but in my health world, my body itself, I was very careful what went into my body except for the alcohol. So wine was a huge love. I loved aging it. I just loved everything about it, but we were having way too much of it. Re reason I point that out is it plays a part in recovery down the road, how it's managed, but the Cymbalta took it away immediately. So that was kind of one good thing. I was so nauseous. The, a glass of wine absolutely looked like dog doo-doo to me. It was like, oh my gosh, that looks revolting. And it was overnight. It was so sad. My gorgeous wine cellar just sat there for months on end.